All right, I seriously want to ask you a question this morning. Think about it. You don't have to raise your hand, okay? So just think about this. How many of you could tell me right now that you know, that you know you are in the center of God's will, or at least working toward it? How many of you could tell me right now that you know for sure that you are in the center of God's will, or you're at least working toward it? You know exactly what God wants you to do for your life, and so you're working toward that, or you're in the middle of that right now. It's an important question, because the reality of the situation is we all ought to know that. But again, the reality of the situation is many of us do not. Many of us don't know that. Many of us struggle with that. Uh, We don't know the exact will of God for our lives. And to be honest with you, we don't even, we don't know what the end goal is, right? Wouldn't it be so much easier to live life if we knew what the end goal was? You know, like the end of your life, you will be here. Well, that would be much easier to navigate our way through. It's, it's no fun necessarily. Sometimes some people think it's fun just to meander all over the countryside and just drive. I enjoy that to some extent, but I enjoy having a destination as well. I know that I want to get to from point A to point B. It's much easier to direct yourself when you know where point B is, right? It's much easier to direct yourself. And so we don't often know what the end goal is. And so we get stuck in this place of, I don't know. It's almost a fear. I don't know what's beyond here. So I'm just not sure what step to take. Maybe it's it's a doubt, Man, I just don't know. I feel like God has given me a point B, an end goal, but I'm just not really sure if that's the way, for sure that's the way God wants me to go. We question, God, is this really the way that you want me to go? Is this really what I ought to be doing? We question, and we even worry about it. Again, this is for people who really want to do what God wants them to do, and I assume that I'm talking to those types of people today. And so if we really truly want to do what God wants us to do, then we question these things. We think about these things. Are we really doing what God wants us to do? Are we really heading the direction God wants us to head? We are constantly wandering through, if you will, this quagmire of doubt and worry. And really, that's what it is. It just weighs us down. It's like every step, we just don't know what to do, and it's constantly surrounding us. We start asking ourselves these questions in doubt, fear, and worry, and we're often dealt with what I'm calling a crushing answer, a crushing answer. When we ask ourselves, God, is this really the way that you want me to go? Here's the answer that we usually get, and we tell it to ourselves, or Satan lies it in there. The usual answer is, well, I don't see any results. I don't see any results. We'll be walking a certain way, and God, we feel like God has called us this way, and we feel like this is the direction that we ought to head in our lives, and then we step back and we look at results, and guess what we don't see? We don't see results. We don't see things growing. We don't see things getting better. We don't see things progressing in the way that we want them to progress. And so we begin really now doubting. Listen, every single one of us is results-driven. Every single one of us. We all want results to some extent. Big data is huge, and it all is representative of results. I got to church this morning, and I um, pulled out, out my iPhone. And I, iPhone has a new feature, and it will give you suggested apps. I have an app on my phone called Check-ins. Okay, and it's to check in everybody as they come in, okay? And so I'm, I'm, I pull out my phone, I slide over, and it shows me suggested apps, and guess what is the first one? 
check-ins. Because it knows where I am and what I typically do on a Sunday morning. Now that can either freak you out or that can just say, hey, that's the world we live in and so here we go, let's just live in this world. And listen, the reality of the situation is this, they know that because of the results that I'm producing. So even iPhone, Apple is looking at results. Every one of us looks for results. We all do. There's often times, many times in my life that I have been faced with this defeating answer of where are the results? I'll be honest with you, in my marriage, there have been times where I think, where are the results? Where are the results of what this is supposed to to accomplish in our marriage? Rearing children. (laughs) Where's the results? Man. My child is just getting really, really obnoxious. What am I doing wrong? We begin to look through these things and what, what's the results? What's going on? This happens in my diet. I, I want to uh, uh, see something change in my life by the change of my diet. This happens in my exercise. I want to see something change by exercising. This happens in my spiritual life. I want to see results in my spiritual life. Happens in my Bible reading. Happens in my prayer time. To me, it happens in all kinds of different ways. I just don't get to see the results that I'm going for, and I honestly just question, is it all worth it? Is the dieting really worth it? Is eating those gross, nasty cardboard, they call them rice cakes, but it's just cardboard, is it really worth it? Is getting up in the morning running, putting my body through pain, worth it? Is getting up, reading the Bible, spending time with God actually worth it? Is praying, understanding who God is and and speaking to Him in a way that, that asks questions and bears your burden upon Him, is it really worth it? Those are the questions that I think we all have. Again, we're all results driven. This is the way my mind thinks, and you can think I'm weird if you want. If I do not eat a Twinkie one day, I want to lose 10 pounds that instant, right? I made a good choice, right, not to eat the Twinkie. I want to lose 10 pounds right away. I just do. That's the way I want to work. Man, it would be so much easier to not eat Twinkies. I I shouldn't even tell you this. My wife bought me Twinkies for Christmas, put them in my stocking. We were playing a game that night. There were three of them in a package. I ate three, one after the other. It was so good. I didn't gain 10 pounds either. But I didn't lose 10 pounds if I didn't eat it the next day. You understand what I'm saying? We all results driven. If I start working out the first workout, I want to be in pristine shape. I want to be perfect in every way in my health, and I want to lose the inner tube immediately. All of us do. When we train for the first time, we practice hard. We want to be the best hockey player in the world by one practice, right? This is the results that we want. Now, every one of us knows, again, that this is not the way the world works. It's not. Life works much different than this. I came across this quote this week. 
by a man by the name of Albert Allen Bartlett. It says this, the greatest shortcoming of the human race is our inability to understand the exponential function. The greatest shortcoming of the human race is our inability to understand the exponential function. I love this. Again, in the investment world, think about investments. Some of you may not even have investments, but try to imagine with me. All right, I'm in the same boat. Investments are only valuable when there is a compounding exponential interest. If we just got 1% interest on everything that we did, how many of you would invest? Very few, because it's, uh, it's not very good for us to invest, but because of the compounding exponential interest that just continues to happen over and over and over and over and over again, it's very lucrative. It's a good thing to get into. But I want you to think about this in life. In life, we forget that this is relevant. We forget that the exponential function is relevant, not just with our finances, but with a lot of things in life. Let's look at it this way. Trust the process. Trust the process. Let me give you a few examples. Brushing your teeth. Now, how many of you get up in the morning? Well, don't answer this question. You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth. Now, how many of you are like, whoa, yeah, I just conquered hygiene. I just blew the world apart because I just brushed my teeth. None of us. We just brush our teeth, right? Sure, our mouth feels a little bit cleaner, but come on, let's be honest. It's not like a world earth-shattering change that's coming because we brushed our teeth. But I want you to understand, if you do that exponentially day after day, and some of you are like really clean freaks and you brush your teeth twice a day. Twice a day, guess what? When you're 70, 80 years old, you still have teeth in your mouth that are not removable. The power of the exponential function. Showering. Hello. There are any teenagers in the room? Showering. Okay, right? Like most of us think, well, yeah, showering is a good thing. And if you don't shower, you're going to stink. But I'm telling you, you don't shower for a very long time, parts of your flesh are going to be rotting, Okay? It's going to be disgusting. And so, sure, you, you come out of the shower and you feel maybe a breath of fresh air. Well, maybe that's for everybody. Um, a breath of fresh air. You feel a little bit better, but the honest opinion is this. If you will constantly shower, you'll feel much better in the long term. Okay? The power of the exponential function. Working out. Again, I want to lose 10 pounds in the first workout. be awesome. But the reality is not that you lose 10 pounds in the first workout. The power of the exponential function ensures that your body is fit for a long time. You get up you, every day, take 10, 10 minutes, go for a run. And after a month, after two months, after three months, after four months, after five, after a year, after 10 years of doing that, you will find something different about yourself. The power of the exponential function, eating healthy, Right? Honestly, I hate eating healthy. When I say I like Cheetos, I mean I like Cheetos. Okay? When I say I like Twinkies, I'm telling you, I like Twinkies. And listen, eating healthy is so stinking expensive. It's so much cheaper to go to Hostess and say, give me a few of those Twinkies. I mean, that would fill me up, oh, for sure, for a couple hours. Listen, 
It's so much easier to eat these things that are unhealthy, but if we will eat healthy, listen, our body will be better for it. Much better. It will ensure that your body is at its prime. Now let's bring this into the spiritual world, okay? Praying. Praying. Now again, most of us, if we're being honest, don't enjoy praying. It's not like, yes. Listen, the power of the exponential function is this, that you have constant communication with God. Constant communication with God. You have a constant working with God, reading your Bible. Listen again, most of us would not go, Woo! I got something out of my Bible this morning. It was life-changing. Sure, that, that does happen sometimes. Don't get me wrong. And there are some exciting things in the Bible. But for the majority... It's the power of the exponential function. You know what it is? It's God speaking to you. God begins working in your life and you begin changing and you begin putting your life into these things and things just continue to keep coming and God's continually, constantly communicating with you and you're constantly communicating with God. Listen, the power of the exponential function is you'll look back on your life and go, whoa, how far we've come. How far we've come. How about this one? Giving thanks in everything. Giving thanks in everything. Giving thanks in everything ensures a life of gratitude and joy. Ensures a life of gratitude and joy. Listen, it's not easy to give thanks in everything. But what if you just did? What if you just used the exponential function? Listen, you would not be an old grouch when you got to be 70 or 80 years old. You would be one of those happy, bubbly people that everybody wants to be around. You'd be one of those people that, listen, you're the grandma or grandpa to everybody because everybody loves you because, wow, you had in everything you gave thanks. You found the good in everything. It's the power of the exponential function. Again, all these things that I mentioned here today, and there are far more, they're not convenient. Right? I'll be honest. Brushing our teeth is not convenient. It's not. It takes time. Showering, definitely not convenient. Some of you, that's like an hour of your life. Okay? It's not convenient. Hear me. It's not convenient to pray. It's really not. It takes a lot of work. It's not convenient to read your Bible. It takes a lot of work. They're difficult. Sometimes they're tiresome. Even draining at times. Just being honest, right? You, you, can, you can get up here and say, listen, every day I read my Bible, it's just so life-giving. You're a better person than I am, because I'm just going to be honest with you. There are times in my life that I struggle to read the Bible. I do it. But sometimes it's draining. I'm tired. I don't really want to. I'm not really getting anything out of it. It's draining. But hear me. Done daily. Done daily, they exponentially compound, and there's interest that will be seen over time. Over time. So I want to preach you a message this morning that I'm entitled, The Exponential Joy of Suffering. Ugh, Pastor Yeoman, not this suffering thing again. Can't we move on to something different, something better, something a little bit more happy? Well, the reality is this, there's exponential joy in suffering. Perhaps let me use a different word to describe suffering. And hopefully this will uh, just be a little bit better. How about the term discipline? 
How about the term discipline? Now, I'm not talking about the discipline you give your children. I'm talking about discipline to every single morning you get up and you brush your teeth. I'm talking about the discipline every single morning you get up and you have a shower. Every single morning you get up and you have your devotions. Every single morning you pray. Every single morning you have some discipline and you get out and you go for a jog. Every single morning you have discipline. That's what I'm talking about. Discipline means this, training, development by instruction and exercise. That's discipline. Training, development by instruction and exercise. Listen, if we are going to win in life, it is going to take some discipline. Discipline. The reality of it is this. Many of us admire discipline. In fact, most of us do. Most of us admire discipline, whether we have it in ourselves or we don't. Most of us look at people like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Bill Gates. I mean, you, you name it, disciplined people. We go, whoa, that is amazing. They are so wonderful. Listen, they're just disciplined. They get up every day and they have the same routine. They get up every day and they work hard. They get up every day and work at, at life, at their careers. They're disciplined. They're disciplined. It's going to require overcoming some obstacles going to require a little bit of suffering it's going to require some here's another word character character overcoming our wants our desires and hear me this is where joy comes in this is where joy comes in first peter chapter 5 and verse 10 the bible says this but the god of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by christ jesus watch this now after that ye have suffered a while, listen, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. After you have suffered a while, trust the process. Once you've trusted the process for a little bit, you become, begin to come, become stronger. Listen, the first time that I lifted weights, I remember it, I was not stronger to be very honest with you, by the first time I lifted weights, my arms felt like jello. Like, wow, what did I just do to myself? But time after time after time after time after time after time again, when I was a kid, we used to work out, and my uncle would measure our biceps. I remember measuring them for the first time. I have no idea what it was. I could make up a number. But I remember a year later, they were much bigger. Because day after day after day after day, things began to change. Done daily, it will increase exponentially. So you're going to have to trust the process. You're going to have to suffer a little while and let the Lord work in you and establish, strengthen, and settle you. So this morning, I want to give you simply three statements. Three statements to finding exponential joy in suffering. Three statements to finding exponential joy in suffering. Number one is simply this. Intelligently remember that God has a plan for your life. Intelligently. That means purposefully think about it. Intelligently remember that God has a plan for your life. You're in Colossians chapter 1. Let's go ahead and take a look at this. Verse 24. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 24. The Bible says this. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. Watch this. For his body's sake, 
which is the church. So he's doing it for the church. Look at verse 25. He says, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. I want you to notice, first of all with me, verse 25, where Paul says, whereof I am made a minister. Paul was specifically called to minister to the church. Specifically called to minister to the church, to the body of Christ. Specifically, this was his role, this was his calling. But notice with me, however, we're going to go through this passage phrase by phrase, okay? Notice with me the next phrase. Where if I am made a minister, the next phrase is, according to the dispensation of God. Now, you don't necessarily have to shout it out, but how many of you know what the word dispensation means? Okay? Most of us are like, uh, it's a Bible word. We don't necessarily use it in our typical day-to-day speech, do we? But here's the word dispensation. Dispensation means this from Webster's Dictionary, administration or economy. Administration or economy. So listen, Paul was made a minister in accordance to how God was running the world at that time. Paul was made a minister according to how God was running the world at that time, how God's economy was working. Okay, let me illustrate for you just for a minute. Michael Jordan, we call him the GOAT, right? The greatest of all time. Best basketball player to ever play the green. Wayne Gretzky, the great one. The best hockey player to ever play the game. I'm going to ask you, and this is, this is a constant debate, right? If Michael Jordan were playing basketball right now, would he still be the greatest of all time? If Wayne Gretzky were playing hockey in today's economy, in today's hockey world, would he still be the greatest of all time? Well, the, the, the reality is we'll never know, right? We just never will. Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan are way too old to be playing in today's economy. But let me tell you this, you watch hockey or you watch basketball when Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky were playing, and you watch it today, guess what you'll see? A much different game. Much different. I mean, I, wa- I watched some hockey games recently of, of like way back, and man, those guys were rough. It was awesome. It was great. You watch basketball games from back then, fist fights, man. In a basketball game, the game is so much different. Listen. Wayne Gretzky changed the game of hockey. Michael Jordan changed the game of basketball in their economy. It's different, okay? Now I want you to understand this. Paul was called. Paul was called to be the minister of the church of God in this God's economy. When God was working in this way, let's put it this way. He was a key player in what God was doing at that particular time in history. He was a key player in what God was doing in that particular time in history. Just like Michael Jordan, just like Wayne Gretzky, just like LeBron James. Different economies, different things going on. And we can spend a great deal of time here. All throughout history, God has been working in dispensations. You'll read the book of Galatians. It talks about the law and grace. Two different dispensations. Two different ways that God was working with man. Two different economies. Man, are you not thankful that we live under grace and not the law? I am. Two different economies. But did you catch 
Paul was an incredibly key player in God's plan for the world at that time. Look what he says in the next phrase. According to the dispensation of God, watch this, which is given to me for you. It was given to Paul for a reason. He was given to Paul for everyone else. Paul's focus, Paul's ministry was given for the purpose of other people. Don't go to sleep on me yet. We're getting somewhere. Look at the next phrase. To fulfill the word of God. To fulfill the word of God. So Paul's ministry was for other people for the purpose of fulfilling the word of God. In which ways did Paul fulfill the word of God? Let's read Verse 26, even the mystery, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Okay, so Paul is so cryptic here. Okay, so he says, listen, I'm fulfilling the word of God. Here's how I'm fulfilling the word of God. It's a mystery, right? It's like your children saying, daddy, I know something that you didn't know and I'm not going to tell you. Thanks for that. And this was exactly what Paul's saying. He's like, listen, there's a mystery. Listen, I challenge you, do some study on Paul's mystery. You're going to find some interesting things out. Let me do a short study for you. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. The Bible says this. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Watch this. According to the revelation of the mystery. Here's the key which was kept secret for how long? The mystery's been kept secret for how long? Since the world began. Since the world began. But now is made manifest. But now it is revealed. The next verse there is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. So there's this mystery. Hear me. You gotta follow me here. Don't go to sleep yet. I'm getting somewhere, all right? There's this mystery, this thing that's been hid from generation to generation since the world began. But Paul in Romans chapter 16 is saying, it is now revealed. It's now brought forth. It's now here. So this mystery was hidden before the world began. It is now revealed through Paul. Through Paul. Important. So the question is, what's the mystery? Pastor Yeomans, please, please, what's the mystery? Tell us what the mystery is. Tell us what the mystery is. We'll look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Very clear. The mystery to his saints, watch, or manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, look at, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, there's this mystery. And it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain, but it's been hid since the world began, and that is Christ in you. It is Christ in you, but he doesn't stop there. I need you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Again, please don't go to sleep on me. Hang on. I know this is a ton of information. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 3. The Bible says in verse 3, the Bible, how that by revelation... He made known unto me, this is Paul speaking, the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was, made, was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Here it is, here it is, verse 6. 
that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of this promise in Christ by the gospel whereof I was made a minister. Anybody got it yet? Here it is. The mystery is simply this. The gospel would go to all the world, not just to the Jews. You see, the Jews were God's chosen people. God chose them before anybody else. He said, you are my people. You will always be my people, and I will be your God. But from the beginning of the world, since the world began, God has been keeping a mystery. And that mystery was, guess what? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Listen, in fact, when Jesus Christ came, nobody knew why he was there. Hey, are you coming to set up your kingdom now? You are our Messiah, right? You're going to rid us of the Roman people. No, 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 no. I'm going to die. What? And three days later, I'm going to rise again. That's blasphemy. I am the son of God. That's blasphemy. None of them, the disciples didn't even know why he was there because it was a mystery that was hidden. But guess what? God in his great love so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, doesn't matter who you are, Jew, Gentile, Greek, or Jew, doesn't matter. It's who you are in Christ that matters. Salvation is given to all mankind. Salvation, God has given us the opportunity for all mankind. You say, Pastor Jones, okay, that's great, I'm saved. What does this have to do with me? Here it is. Since the world began, since before the world began, God had a plan for a man by the name of Saul who changed his name to Paul since before the world began. That plan was for him to tell thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people something that he had been revealed, that had been revealed to him, a mystery. He got to tell Thousands of people about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He's, he's written it down here in the books of the Bible. He's written most of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul had a plan for God's, for God had a plan for his life since the world began. Intelligently remember that God has a plan for your life. A lot of us sit and wonder, God, do you really have something planned for me? If you do, what is it? What do I do? Where do I go? How do I accomplish your will in my life? Just start with knowing that God has a plan for you. He's established this from the before the world began. Paul was the one who was there to reveal the mystery to the Gentiles. He was part of God's plan for thousands of years. Wow. So hear me. God has a plan for your life that is bigger than just your life. He's been planning for it for thousands of years. You say, Pastor Yomans, I can't believe that. Well, being a part of God's plan would include great suffering for Paul. Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, the Bible says this, But the Lord said unto him, another disciple of God, Go thy way, for he, being Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings. And the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. God has been planning something for, you, for years. 
And it may involve suffering. It may involve something that's unpleasant. But if you will just do God's will, if you will remember that God has a plan for your life, then you will have joy. Jeremiah was another one. God had a plan for him before he was born. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Before he was even born. And this is not select to Paul and Jeremiah. The, 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 the Bible's clear. God has a plan for your life. For your life. The question is simply this. The question is not, God, do you have a plan for my life? The question is, God, how do I fulfill your plan for my life? The question is, will you pursue God's plan? So that's number two. Number two is intentionally pursue that plan daily. Exponential function. Intentionally pursue that plan daily. There is no doubt in my mind that if Paul would not have listened to God's plan for his life, he would not have had to go through extreme and terrible suffering. Can we all agree to that? If he had not followed God's plan for his life, he would not have gone through extreme and terrible suffering in the way that he went through it. But I can guarantee you this, he would have suffered in some other way. I don't know how. The fact is we just don't know. But he was the key player in this. He would have missed opportunity to reveal Jesus Christ's salvation to thousands if not millions upon millions of people. Honestly, this is where many of us choose not to be. Like, uh, no. I don't want to go through that in order to experience this. I don't want to be the best basketball player in the world. I don't. I don't want to be the best at whatever. I don't want to be disciplined. I don't want to work that hard. I don't want to suffer that much. And so we choose not to be there. Many of us choose To do what we want to do. Live our lives the way that we want to live them. The fact of the matter is this. We nev- many of us do not care about our future. Let me, let me rephrase. Many of us don't care about the future. Most of us care about our future. Personally. We don't care about everyone else's future and what, what part we play. We don't, we don't care about investing in the kingdom of God for thousands upon thousands of people. We care about us. We care about us right now. That's why many of us will go out today and we'll buy whatever we want to please us right now. That's why many of us today will not get up and brush our teeth because we don't think about the future. That's why many people won't get up and shower. That's why many people, hear me, will not pray. That's why many people will not read their Bible because they don't care about investing in the future. They don't care about telling someone else about Jesus Christ because they don't want to invest in the future. They don't want to intentionally pursue this every single day. Doing what we want to do in our flesh, doing what fulfills our flesh, hear me, is not investment at all. None of this Doing what we want to do carries exponential compounding interest. For the positive, anyway. It's going to carry exponential compounding interest further down. 
You'll be, you'll be much worse off. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. We read this already, but take a look at it again with me. Look at the end of the verse. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27, the Bible says this, to whom God would make known, watch this, what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, Paul is saying, listen, I've had this mystery revealed unto me, and I get to reveal it to everyone else, and there are great riches in it. Great riches in it. But do you notice who the glory is for? Riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. It's to God be the glory. You see, Paul could have just said, no way, God, I'm going to continue to live glorifying myself. I'm going to continue persecuting the Jews. I'm going to continue doing what I want to do. I'm going to continue walking around, putting people in jail, and building up a name for myself, because that's exactly what he was doing. He was extremely famous, or infamous, shall we say. Everybody knew the name of Saul of Tarsus. Everybody knew it because he was persecuting the church. He was zealous toward that. He could have made a name for himself. But listen, if you, make, uh, if you glory for yourself, the Bible says you have your reward on this earth. And guess where it stays? Stays on this earth. But if you will glorify God in every single thing that you do, guess where it goes? It goes to eternity with you. And you will enjoy the riches for eternity. It is rich. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28. Whom we preach. Intentionally preach. Look what he says. Warning every man. Every man. Look what it says. And teaching every man in all wisdom. Why? That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Paul was not just sitting around Paul was not just sitting around waiting for God to work through him. He was intentionally pursuing God's plan for his life. God's plan was that he would tell the entire world, the Gentile nations, hey, Jesus Christ is here. So guess what he did? Every man. Every man. For the purpose of investing that man into the kingdom of God. Every man, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Paul was intentionally pursuing God's plan for his life daily. In fact, if you want to look it up sometime, Acts chapter 16, verses 4 and 5, the church was growing daily. Paul said this, I die daily. Paul had to daily get up, and as Colossians chapter 3 says, mortify the deeds of his flesh. He had to put to death his flesh. He had to put to death his own wants, his desires. Why? So that he could fulfill God's plan for his life. He had to intentionally pursue the plan of God for his life. It, It just doesn't come naturally. Intentionally. So the question is this, how are we going to do this? How are you and I going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in our life? First of all, die daily. That doesn't mean kill yourself, okay? It doesn't. It means every morning you get up and you write down, these are the things that I want to do today. Write it all down. And guess what you do? You crumble it up and you throw it away. I'm not doing those things today. And instead, number two, you pursue God daily. Okay, so I take that and I throw that away or burn it or do whatever with it. I don't care, but I'm not doing those things. And I'm going to start writing down, what's God's plan for me today? 
What is God's plan for me today? You know what that's going to take? Prayer. You know what else that's going to take? It's going to take Bible reading. Interesting how those things are exponentially compounded. I want to find out what God wants me to do today. And not only am I going to read those things and figure those things out, I'm going to fulfill, number three, the word of God daily. Notice with me Colossians chapter 1 and verse 25 again. He says to fulfill the word of God. James tells us that we ought not to be just hearers of the word, but doers also. Oh man, so many of us, man, we would read our Bible. Most of, some of you may say, listen, Pastor Yomans, I read my Bible and I pray every day. Let me ask you, are you doing what you're reading? Are you fulfilling the word of God in your life daily? You'll read something like, thou shalt not lie. Are you fulfilling that? Hey, you'll read something in the New Testament like, go the second mile. Are you doing that? Listen, if you want the power of the exponential function, if you want to intentionally pursue God daily, you are going to have to do some digging. Pursuit is not just a casual float along, let's walk. It's pursuit. I'm digging, I'm seeking, I'm trying to find God and his will for my life. I love this quote. I learned it a long time ago, and to be honest with you, I don't know who the originator is, but I love it. Live every single day in the will of God. And in 10 years, you will be in the center of God's will. I don't, I don't know what God has for my life. Die daily. Pursue God. And fulfill God's word. Every single day. Exponential function. And in 10 years, you'll be right smack dab in the center of God's will rejoicing what God is doing and has done in your life. Powerful. And then number three, simply and I'll close, insist on consistency. Insist on consistency. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 29. Watch this now. Whereunto I also labor. Look at the next word striving it's a continual according to his working which worketh in me mightily i'm striving for what god wants me to do and as i'm doing that he's working through me i'm working toward what god wants and as i'm doing that he's working through me the more he tried the more god worked through him He's working hard, striving to stay in God's will. Let's put it this way. The more he invested, the more return he saw on that investment. Constant. Be consistent. Insist on consistency. Let's look at one more passage and I'll be finished. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, verse 7, excuse me. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. The Bible says this. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but lost. Why? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Watch this. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung. Why? 
that I may win Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And watch this, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained. I either were already perfect. I'm not perfect. But I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I have not arrived. But this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. Watch this, verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, Paul knows that at the end of this suffering, there's a, there's a prize. So many of us forget that there's a prize. I think you are absolutely nuts if you run a marathon. Okay? Nobody in their right mind would ever run a marathon. Ever. But yet there are crazy people all over this world. And there are crazy people who run marathons. I'm a little bit crazy, so someday I may run a marathon. Who knows? But I want you to think about, for hours on end, they run. They suffer. They put themselves out there. They sweat. The constant bang of their knees and feet hitting the pavement constant for hours and hours and hours on end. They continue to run. And guess what? The winner gets there. He puts his hands up in the air. And he walks up to that podium with a big old smile on his face to receive the prize. Paul says life is about steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And guess what? He delighteth in his way. And someday you're going to get to the end. You're going to get to the end of the road. There's going to be a prize. Listen, that prize is far more valuable than anything you could ever have on this earth. It's going to take some suffering. It's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some character. And you're going to fail. You're going to fall down. The Bible says a just man falls seven times and riseth up again. Just keep getting up. Think about boxing. If you are a boxer, the best thing you can do is just keep getting up. The best thing you can do is just keep getting up. I don't care how many punches you throw, just keep getting up. I love this. Winston Churchill said this. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. The courage to continue that counts. If you are consistent, you have the courage to continue, you will see exponential joy increased in your life. You will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. The joy of suffering is exponentially increased when you intelligently remember that God has a plan for your life when you intentionally pursue that plan daily, and when you just insist on consistency. Don't stay down. Get up. 
keep pushing forward. Let me ask this question, I'll be done. What are you going to do with God's plan for your life? The question is not, does God? The question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to throw it away and suffer, or are you going to invest in the kingdom of God and experience joy unspeakable? Decision is yours. What are you going to do with God's plan for your life? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you, Father, for having a plan for our lives. Father, there might be one here today in this room, someone even online watching, that does not know you as personal Savior. Your will for that person is that they should not perish, but all should come to repentance. Father, for that one or two or three or however many there are, Father, I pray that today they would know the salvation that costs so much. I pray that they would realize that they are a sinner. They've done wrong, and that sin keeps us from God. It keeps us from you. I pray that they would realize what Jesus came to do, to bridge that gap between us and you. Father, he did it because he loved us so much. Father, I pray they would know that. They would begin that life right now, giving their lives back to you and increasing that exponential function. Father, for those who know you as Savior already, they already know Jesus Christ, myself included, Father. Would you please help us to remember and keep in the forefront of our minds the plan that you have for us. Oh, Father, help us to pursue it daily. I pray that you would help us to be consistent in it. Help us to see great joy because you promised it. Father, I just pray that you'd be with all of us. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. We pray all these things in your name.